Welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast, uh, television version this time around, because you needed to see who was the man behind the curtain. And that man, of course, is Doug Karsh, your uh, your daily man on the radio on uh, 97.1 FM, and also your sideline man on Michigan radio every week at the football games. Doug, good to see you. Hi, JJ. Literally. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, I- I like this format you guys got going here. So um, you guys have really upgraded the technology, haven't you? Well, we're trying. And I will say this. If uh, when it comes to you, the people on the fort, if they don't hear from you or see you in this case during football season, they'd come and get you. So I'm sparing you for that from that. Thank you. Um, obviously, huge week for Michigan football. Uh, they, they go to Penn State. We've had some really interesting times out there over the years. Uh, remember all the way back to Judgment Day in 97. Uh, this isn't Judgment Day, but it is, uh, you know, don't get hit by the bus day in terms of if, if Michigan loses this game, I think it's lost a lot in terms of trying to make Ohio State and the end of this season everything it can be. Well, look, let's face it. This Michigan team is gotten to a place that very few people predicted. Um, in fact, in your preseason magazine, I read <laughs> that I predicted that they would go five and seven when somebody at the publisher's office confused the name Skeen with Karsh. And so Skeen five and seven prediction went to print as Karsh's five and seven prediction. Um, but what they've done so far this year, when you think back to what the major concerns were at the beginning of the year, one, you know, know, most of them were defensive, right? I mean, it was, who's going to be in the middle of that defensive line? Who's going to play backer? The secondary was coming off a really, really tough year. And all of those things on all three levels, they're better than expected right now. Michigan has elite rush ends. And I heard in your podcast over the weekend, Ryan Van Bergen made a great point about Michigan being defensive end university. And, and he's right. The, you know, the Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich and Quiddy pay and now Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo and uh, Brandon Graham. And the list goes on and on. And uh, uh, Chris Wormley and taco Charlton, they've had a great run of defensive ends. And right now they've got arguably, two of the top three in the country and the best two in the big 10 and Ojabo and Hutchinson, uh, the middle of the defensive line, Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton have come through and depth guys like Jenkins and Upshaw and Morris have made some plays. So that group has exceeded expectation. Linebacker play has been pretty darn good. Uh, you know, obviously Josh Ross has been outstanding. Uh, the emergence of junior Colson and they've rotated guys, Nikai Hill green now, maybe more Michael Barrett, Jalen Harrell, um, and then in the secondary, they are clearly an improved group. So, you know, they've exceeded expectations. It's been a heck of a good year so far. It's been a, it's been a great year considering the expectation. And right now, if you think of the teams that would switch resumes with Michigan right now, they include, and, and think about this, go back three months and think about this, Clemson. Florida State, Miami, LSU, Auburn, 
Notre Dame, USC, UCLA, Texas. I mean, we could throw in some more. All those schools would love to be in the position that Michigan is in right now. But obviously people are pensive because Harbaugh teams haven't finished strong. And it starts Saturday, right? I mean, it's they've they've survived a loss. They were able to absorb a loss and still remain in the college football playoff discussion, which is hard to do, but they've done that. They got half the help they needed last Saturday with the Purdue win. And now it's a matter of taking care of business and finding another loss on the Michigan State schedule. It's all right there and it can be done. It's just a matter of, is this team going to be different and do it? Uh, This Penn State game is a winnable game. It's a winnable game, but historically this is where the wheels kind of start to come off. So uh, it's a hard buy-in. The one thing I'll say is there's new coaches, guys in different positions. And so things could look a lot different with Mike McDonald, with Mike Hart, who brings a toughness to the staff, with, you know, uh, uh, Coach Clinkscale, who brings a toughness to the staff. I mean, so let's see. Let's see what these guys what these guys do because it's it's this staff's first crack at it, right? I mean, Harbaugh's been there, done that, but it's this staff's first crack at it. I will say this. Uh, you mentioned uh, the team from East Lansing. I think they have two more losses coming, but uh, we're going to talk about them only a little bit later and very briefly. Um, but I, I foresee a, uh, an 0-2 end to this, their slate. Michigan, you're right. They've got, they have absolutely uh, got the challenge this weekend. You calling it a winnable game, and I think it is. But also, I, you know, we've seen it, how tough it is out there in Penn State. Uh, not a night game this time. Catch a break there. Noon start. Michigan's been very good in noon starts uh, all year long. You won't have to deal with quite the uh, level of uh, insobriety uh, as, as you would normally. But what, what you've got is uh, a defense for Penn State that is as good as Michigan has seen this year, if not the best Michigan's seen this year, in my opinion, and also a, uh, a quarterback in Sean Clifford who can really get it done. But you got a team that d- doesn't run the football well, so you mentioned Michigan's defensive ends. i got to believe that it's time to turn them loose and, and hope for uh, – not maybe a, an Allen Branch on top of Anthony Morelli, but some a, a lot of harassment all game long. Yeah, so you, you mentioned the the venue, um, Penn State at night is the the benchmark for you know being down there on the field. How loud it gets, how chaotic it gets, how intimidating it can get, and the fact that Penn State is going to be you know that it's not a night game helps. Michigan has been in very hostile environments this year. They're kind of used to it. They've embraced it. They've whatever that team's pump up song is, they know it's coming and they can't wait for it and they make it their own. Um Nebraska's night game, I would just describe as pure chaos. When you looked across at the other sideline, and, and this is at field level, it was hard to distinguish the fans on the field <laughs> from the benches where the fans ended and the benches began and it mattered like there was one time where jj mccarthy was in a quarterback and he did the fake clap thing and they were screaming at him to change a play and he never heard him and he ran the play 
and it wasn't what they want wanted run um actually worked out that particular play but the point being that chaos impacts what happens on the field and nebraska was chaotic uh wisconsin's an always difficult place to play and on that particular day the way michigan played they kind of took the crowd out of it um it wasn't a typical as that game went on it just got quieter and quieter and eventually literally the michigan students took over the empty wisconsin student section they all they all you know basically moved from their seats up top down to there and the, the michigan kids loved it michigan state was a was a difficult environment wasn't quite the chaos that nebraska was but you know this is gonna i mean chances are the students won't be there when the game starts um so it's just the way it is around the Big Ten. They're kind of used to the environments. Now, as far as the actual matchup, look, I mean, when you watch Penn State, you got to get people in Clifford's face. You just have to. If you do that, you can change their offense. Uh, John Dotson's incredible. Um, talking to Mike McDonald this week, he said, you know, when he read the scouting report on him and he started talking to his team about him, he's like, I feel like I'm describing the best player we're going to play against this year. And he's like, oh, by the way, he can throw the ball if they need him to. Like, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of respect. But, you know, Coach McDonald said they got a plan for him. So we will see. And also Penn State, I mean, last week Indiana had a freshman quarterback. So they were kind of limited. They were limited in what they can do. So they weren't going to exactly <clears throat> introduce them running the sprint to the line and snap at offense. Penn State's got a veteran offense that I bet is going to test Michigan with tempo for the first real time since the Michigan State game. So that's something they need to be prepared for. Yeah. I, uh, I talked to my uh, Penn State insider uh, a couple days ago, and, and he predicted that uh, Penn State will throw the ball 50 to 60 times. He said they can't run it at all. He said basically, I mean, you're talking about 1.8 yards per run and uh, so it becomes a matter of if that is the case can michigan get the kind of heat on clifford that uh that forces the mistakes and uh, and can keep that offense pinned in a little bit so michigan i mean look if, if penn state had a, a pretty good game against ohio state for instance really possessed the ball moved the chains didn't quite do enough but I, I think Michigan's defense is better than Ohio State's. And so at this point, so, you know, the, can they keep them in check? And then can they score? You know, at this point, we don't know who's suiting up for Michigan. Um, offensively, I watch guys lined up, lined up to go into the tent. There were so many players hurt. Uh, Anthony, uh, A.J. Henning, uh, obviously Eric Alden play, Blake Corum. Cade McNamara was in and out of the tent a couple of times. So who's gonna who's gonna line up for the Michigan the Michigan offense is uh, is a concern at this point. Uh, maybe we'll get a sense as the week goes by, but probably not. Um, and then as far as Penn State's run game, here's the interesting thing about Penn State's run game that Coach McDonald said is they do so much RPO that if you ignore the run, that's when they hit you with a gash play in the run game because they can change on the fly and take advantage of a, a light box or a formation that <clears throat> is conducive to them running the ball. So, yeah, um, it's not like you can ignore the run. You have to show respect because uh, that's when they can get you.
on the other side of it, it's reasonable to assume that Penn State wants Cade McNamara to throw the football. They've got uh, a couple of uh, high draft choices back there in the secondary, uh, and they understand that Michigan is likely going to be limited in its running back array. I mean, you saw uh, Blake Corum go out last week, Mike Hart, as you would expect, completely noncommittal as to whether uh, he or Donovan Edwards might be ready for this one. You have to be ready for a situation where it's uh, it's Haskins again primarily. Um, I, I got to believe that Penn State wants to, to line up and uh, stack him up, make Michigan want, have to throw the football. Well, yeah, and the last opponent that kind of did that um, was Michigan State, and so Michigan did throw the football, and they threw it with a degree of efficiency. The best run defense they played this year is Wisconsin, so Michigan hit them up top with with three touchdown passes, uh, two to Cornelius Johnson, the one to Dalen Baldwin. So, you know, they've they've had some success through the air when asked to do it. Again, it goes back to who's lining up for Michigan. I mean, at this point, Andrew Anthony, we thought, had maybe emerged. Is he going to be available? Um, uh, A.J. Henning's a, a threat in the reverse game. And really, uh, you kind of need him in there on punt return because if Jamon Green's out, D.J. Turner on punt return becomes a bit of a, a dicey situation because uh, who's next at the corner spot? They've played three corners almost the entire year. And I think it might be J.D.M. McBurrows. Uh, is the next guy uh, a true freshman. But, hey, look, this is the Big Ten, right? Things like this happen. They won at Nebraska with their fifth guard on the field at the end of the game. So you just have to find a way, and guys have to make plays, and guys have to step up. And maybe the guy that needs to provide a little something this week is Tavier Dunlap. Maybe, maybe he becomes, you know, from off the radar to playing a – a, a, a role, maybe not a prominent role, but a role in this game. Guys, this this is typical of Big Ten seasons, is as the year goes on, guys that weren't playing not only have to play, but they have to play major roles or at least supportive roles late in the year in some big games. It's as big a stage as it gets. Uh, you were talking about teams that would love to trade places with Michigan right now. There's, there's one team that would like to trade places with Michigan uh, as it pertains to the college football playoff, and that would be the, the team from East Lansing. I know you don't relish talking about this, but uh, two big things with, uh, with Jim Harbaugh acknowledging the um, Big Ten got a hold of him with regard to uh, that strip sack touchdown against Michigan State that turned out to be overturned. And then now you have the uh, college football playoff that has Michigan at number six, Michigan State at number seven. Uh, Spartan fans going ballistic, basically, and Michigan fans kind of saying, well, it, it was it was overturned in the in the replay booth. <laughs> So look, if if a Spartan fan wants to trade places with Michigan, I mean you you shouldn't want to. It's silly. They have they're they're the team that still controls our own destiny. They are. And so they can they can be upset, but 
what they're upset about is simply the number attached to their name. The, each team, the, these playoff rankings, and I, I've said this for a couple of weeks, they're like temporary housing. Each week you get a new temporary place to live while your permanent residence is being built. And you're still finding out if you can afford the countertops and the high, high-end appliances and the hot tub and all that. You're still trying to figure that out while you're living in your temporary housing. And each week you have to move in your temporary housing. But that's all it is, is temporary. Secondly, Michigan and Michigan State's to-do list to make the playoff hasn't changed at all. They both have to win out. Michigan might need a Michigan State loss, probably needs a Michigan State loss along the, along the line. And a loss eliminates either team. So I think it's a big nothing burger that it's the only thing they really had to talk about out of the, those rankings. And yet it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything for the bigger picture. It doesn't because the only way it really matters is that both teams run the table, but even then Michigan state will get the extra data point by playing in the big 10 title game. Um, If you want to, if you're, if you're a Michigan fan thinking about a future debate, here's the future debate that is looming. And that is if Michigan runs the table, doesn't play in the big 10 title game, sitting there at 11 and one, do they get in over an undefeated Cincinnati team? Yeah, I hear you. And uh, I would say this, what uh, I, as I said, I don't think uh, Michigan state wins those last two games uh, against Ohio state and Penn state, but you know, that remains to be seen. We're here at Chrysler arena uh, at the moment. And I will say this, um, you've got people very jazzed about, the basketball season. Uh, another thing that is temporary, you talked about what's temporary. One thing that's temporary is uh, as being the team uh, picked to win the Big Ten. You got to back that up. Give me your uh, thumbnail on what you think is coming down the road here for Michigan basketball. Very talented team, obviously very young team, new parts to integrate. That's always somewhat unpredictable. Uh, you know, when you have those new parts, look for early in the year. Juwan Howard to experiment a little bit, try guys in different roles. Ultimately, you just want to be playing your best when the conference season begins. Um, and so, you know, I I don't read too much into these early season games. Um, and, and, you know, you want to be playing your best when the conference season begins. You want to be playing better when the conference season ends <laughs> because people don't really remember <clears> – <throat> who won the big 10 tournament when let's say you lose in the first round to Loyola. Yeah, people kind of forget who won the big 10 tournament. Um, so you just, you need to go out and, and grow and stay healthy. And I think we saw a little bit earlier in the week with Michigan state. Um, you know, you don't know how your transfers are going to work out. You don't know how your, your freshmen are going to look and which players made a big jump. I mean, there, you can't help but hear all the buzz about Musa Diabate and what an impact he's going to have on this season. Caleb Houston's considered a high draft pick kid. So there's a lot of reason to be excited. And Juwan Howard's, he got this thing up and running pretty quickly, didn't he? And I don't see it slowing down. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, And when you're building around, uh, you know, a guy like Hunter Dickinson and you've got component parts, you get an Eli Brooks 
as an X factor that comes back and has that kind of defense. And, and you're just, this is not a, a freshman takeover. Like when Juwan Howard was a freshman, it is okay. You've got a really good team that uh, went a long way last year and lost some. Yes. But you're just plugging in the best of the best of those freshmen. I just, I think it is a, uh, a fantastic situation for this team to start out. Yeah, and Eli Brooks coming back is so big. It's so big for them to have a super senior and a guy who's familiar with what it's like. to. I mean, coach on the floor. Those things are so – freshmen get everybody excited, but seniors get coaches excited, and guys with experience get coaches excited. And Eli Brooks – you know, when he got hurt late last year and kind of, you know, slowed going into the postseason, that was obviously, you know, between him and, uh, you know, losing livers, those things really hurt that team's chance to make a, a significant run. They had a great year, but you always wonder what would have happened had Isaiah Livers been 100% healthy for that postseason run. But that those are the breaks. So, but Eli Brooks coming back is a huge deal for this team. He's also really versatile. He can defend a lot of different positions, and he can bring the ball up the floor. He can hit a three if you need him to. Um, his versatility is just one of those guys that helps you. He helps you uh, in all facets of the game. The other guy that's very versatile, Doug Karsh. He brings you from the sidelines on the Wolverine.com every single week in the football season. And then he transitions uh, from radio to uh, this little television venture seamlessly. Doug, <laughs> great to have you with us. We'll uh, we'll do this again soon. All right, JB.